risen, risen indeed. Amen. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I'm sorry. This is, this is kind of an emergency. What? Uh, what? What's going on? Right after that song, I went, I just rushed out because I was going to bring the kids back because I yeah. wanted to make sure that they heard your sermon. It's Easter and everything. They're all dressed up. And, and I hit the Easter bunny. You hit the Easter bunny? Yeah, I was, I was out driving. I was just trying. And, and there he was just, I mean, there's only one. And he's yeah. seven feet tall, big fluffy. He was coming across, right across the Superior Street. And I just ran over him. With oh, the golly. That's and, terrible. And is I, he all right? Oh. Um, this is all that's... Oh, golly. This is all that's really left. I'm, I'm sorry. I, oh, God. You know are what? The, are the kids all gone? Yeah. yeah. Let okay. me... But you know what? I think I can help you out. Okay. Hold on. I've got something here. Well, he's, he's dead. Well, I know, but take this, take this out there, yeah, just take it out there, spray it on him three times, put his ears back, and spray him three times, and then let me know what happened. What is... Just, just go do it. Okay. Okay? All right. Golly, that is terrible, running over the Easter money on Easter morning. Jeez, oh, Pete, you know, what are we going to do? Oh, I hope this works. I don't know. Let's see. You see him coming back yet? Where'd he go? What? I just I put the ears on. It was kind of gross. Yeah, so I yeah. I put the ears on him. Put him on. I put the ears on. I sprayed it once. He still smelled bad. I yeah. Sprayed it twice. It smelled a little bit better. Okay. I sprayed it three times. I said, "Come on, please, Jesus, raise this." And and he was alive. His little ears started moving. Oh yeah. And the yeah. Easter Bunny was alive, and he kind of looked at me funny, and then he ran away. Okay. Yeah, this is great stuff, man. I knew it. What in the world is that? Oh, that's a hair restore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, you think about that, will you? Thanks, Pastor Ben. Well, I don't know what you've heard, but I'm going to tell you some of these anyway. Three girlfriends all die and stand at the gates of heaven, and and St. Peter asks them three important questions. Uh, But the first one is the most important, and it's really uh, the only one he really wants to ask them. And he says to each one of them, he says, okay, uh, you can get in here, but just tell me, what is Easter all about? Well, the first one, she's a brunette, and uh, she says, well, isn't it all about that holiday in November when, you know, you get chocolate bunnies and then have a turkey and everybody comes over to your house and has a good time? And St. Peter shakes his head and says, no, no, okay, what about you? The next one's a redhead, and, and she says, oh, I think I know. I think it's, isn't that the one they, they celebrate around Christmas? where you color eggs, and then you hang them all on the tree, and everybody comes over, and you open presents afterwards? And he says, no, I'm sorry. Well, the third one, he turns and looks at her, and of course, she's a blonde, and he says, well, blondie, uh, what have you got to say? What is Easter all about? And she goes, duh, that is so, so easy. It's about when Jesus came to earth, he died, and they put him in a tomb, and they sealed it with a big rock, and then, and St. Peter's going, yes, yes, that's good. Come on, content, more and more. And then, and then on the third day, when he comes out, if he sees his shadow, they're going to have six more weeks of eating. 
Well, unfortunately, we all have our ideas of what Easter is all about, don't we? And for some of us, it was just making it here on Sunday morning and getting all dressed up. And if you were here in the early service, you know, uh, I didn't have this vest on, so that's the difference Easter's made for me. You know, my wife said, put the vest on. Okay, so that's the difference. But this morning is Easter. And uh, still today, though, maybe in your mind, too, you have questions about this remarkable story, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you right up front this morning, I can't explain it all to you. I don't have all the answers, uh, but I can assure you of this, that if you open your heart, if you just open it, if you're honest before God and seek to know the truth for yourself, then even in the midst of your speculation, your uncertainties, and even your doubts, I believe that God will lead you to the way, the truth, and the life that is found in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, it's Easter Sunday, and for some of us, we've been to Easter Sundays throughout the years, many of them, maybe 50, 100, however many, you know, all of our life. But Father, reassure us, remind us, and rekindle in our spirit what Easter truly and really means for each one of us and what it is all about. Just open our hearts to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was not a very good student in high school. I usually sat in the back, hiding behind the other kids, because uh, I didn't want the teacher to ask me questions. I later learned that good students always ask questions, and good teachers, most of you would say, ask questions. And that there is no stupid question, except for the questions the teachers ask me, because I couldn't answer them all the time. Well, the Bible is full of questions. People asking and Jesus asking people questions. Why? So as to reveal the truth and to allow people to think for themselves and to come to a full understanding of the truth of who God is. That's why he asked those questions. He said, who do you think that I am? What do you believe about this? What do you think? Well, you know, if you were to look back at recorded accounts of the scriptures, I want to just give you a couple of facts, and I'm not going to go through all these, but it says that there are over 24,000 documents that have been found to date that support the gospel of counts, and there are zero that contradict them, and they were all written between 15 and 30 years after the crucifixion, and some of them even sooner than that. And if you want to examine the evidence, then you need to go on a search yourself, like so many have before you. You need to understand and see what this word is all about, what the love of God, the peace, the forgiveness, and the hope that Jesus Christ brings. You need to search it out for yourselves. I know you've been told all your life so many things, but you really need to have that experience for yourself to decide who is this Jesus. Well, the first question today for this class is, why in the world is the resurrection so important? Why is it so important? And the answer is relatively simple, really. The fact of the, of the resurrection is the foundation. It's some foundational truth for everything that we believe as Christians. Without it, our faith, 
our hope and our understanding falls apart. It's foundational. You can't, you can't live your life with hope, faith, forgiveness, the peace, and the love of Christ unless the resurrection is foundational truth and is true indeed for you personally. The second question is this, and we'll get back to that first one shortly. And Job asks this question in the Bible, and this is what he says. He's pondering, he's questioning, just like, I mean, it's not just in this year that we sometimes question things, but they pondered and questioned all long before Jesus came, and even after Jesus had appeared. They still had questions, but he asked this very important question. If a man dies, shall he live again? Well, who cares? Who cares, some of you say? We don't think about that. You know, we don't sit down with our friends and invite them over to dinner and talk about death. Who cares, you know? I'm too young to think about that. But this is the question he asked. If a man dies, shall he live again? Well, I'll tell you who cares. When death claims somebody that you deeply love, when death takes a child, when death takes your spouse, when death, death takes a niece or a nephew, when you're sitting by the hospital holding on, desperately praying and hoping that someone might not pass and that there will be a miracle of healing, then that's the question you want answered. If somebody dies... Shall they ever live again? Or is this it? You want to know. I've stood beside and I've knelt beside and I've been beside many bedsides where people in their heart of hearts, they want to know the answer to that question because they know their time is about up. They want to know. Job asked that same question. The resurrection is not just not another thing that we as Christians believe. It is the very center of our faith. Everything, everything centers upon the resurrection. I read the account recently of a man whose young daughter died. He said it was devastating for the family, but in her death, he said, Easter took on new importance. The father said this, until you stare death eye to eye. Easter is just a word. Easter is just a nice day with bunnies and rabbits and eggs and, and baskets. But when someone so precious to you dies, Easter becomes everything. An anchor in a fierce storm. A rock on which to stand. A hope that raises you above despair and keeps you going. Everything hinges upon the resurrection. In our deepest, darkest moments and doubts, when we don't think it can get ever any better. The resurrection gives us a hope through the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that it can, that there is a brighter day, there is a new day, there is something else that is going to come. The Bible tells us very simply, very factually, very clearly, there is a time to be born and a time to die. This body eventually wears down it's subject to disease and pain. It's subject to suffering and aging. In fact, millions of our cells, it says, are dying every day. For some of you, a little bit more, it looks like. So, but uh, 
Millions of our cells, it says, die every day. This body was not meant to last forever. It's going to sag, it's going to drag, it's going to bag. No matter if you feed it vegan or red meat, no matter what you give it. In fact, I've always thought, you know, all these healthy people, when they die, people are going to say, well, what did they die of? I don't know, he was so healthy. Well, what did you die of? You know, when they ask somebody that, you know, in heaven someday, well, I had Twinkies and cupcakes and Coke and all mac and cheese. You know, I, they know what I died from, from high cholesterol. But these healthy people, I don't know what in the world they died from, you know. I mean, the body is going to wear out. We're going to experience physical death. We were not meant to live in this body forever. But however, the, the Bible tells us this. God has placed eternity in our hearts. Do you know what that means? I didn't know what it means, but I think I've come to understand it. It means that there's that nagging feeling in your life that you stand at the graveside or a friend passes or a spouse or a child or somebody and you're hurting and you just can't believe this is all there is. Well, that's why God says he's placed eternity within our hearts. You ever go to the grocery store? Yep, we do. And do you buy things and you look at them and you pick them up because they have an expiration date on them? You ever see that? You know, well, this is good till next week. This is good for two weeks. This should be taken off the shelves. Oops, you know, I go to my pantry. Mom's got stuff from two years ago. Throw it out. You know, oh, that stuff is still good. I seal it up, you know. It'll be fine. Eat that cottage cheese. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, but everything has an expiration date because eventually it's no good anymore. Our bodies have an expiration date, but the expiration date stamped on our souls is eternity. On our souls is eternity. Yes, this body will give away. It'll give up, but our soul, our spirit, the Word of God tells us, lives forever. We're just passing through, the Bible says. The Bible says our citizenship, our, citizenship, our ultimate destiny, destiny, our home is in heaven, where Jesus promised, he said, to prepare a place for us. Like I said, most of us, most of us, we only experience death or we think about death at funerals. We don't like to think about it. And I know especially young people, it's like it could never ever happen to me, but believe me, it happens to everybody. And the old people, well, we just, we know we're getting close, but you don't have to remind us. What was that, you know, what was that little joke I read a couple weeks ago, you know, young person said, I'm always going to weddings, and the older people are looking at me and saying, you're next, you're next. So he said, I started going to funerals and looking at the old people and saying, you're next, you're next, you know. So, well, a middle-aged man goes to the doctor for his annual checkup. His wife goes along with him, and after the man's physical, the doctor calls his wife into the office to speak to her alone. And she's, the doctor says, your husband seems to have high anxiety. It isn't good for his heart. If you don't do the following things for your husband, I don't think he's going to survive. I think he's going to die. So these are the things you need to do for him. Every morning, fix him a fresh, healthy breakfast. Be kind to him all day and keep all the distractions to a minimum. For lunch, make sure he has a real good, nutritious meal. 
for dinner, preparing whatever meal he might want, keep the house as peaceful as possible and allow him to rest as much as he wants and don't allow him to do any chores or anything that might cause him any undue stress because it's not going to be good for his heart. So on their way out of the doctor's office, the husband asks his wife what the doctor said to her. And she turns to him and says, you're going to die. <laughs> oh, you better check with your spouse too, huh? It is appointed every one of us will keep that appointment, but we don't have to be afraid. The Apostle Paul actually looked forward to dying. He called it far better. He said, you know, I'm kind of torn between the two. You know, he's speaking to the church and some people he's been working with. He says, you know, I'd love to be with you, be around the fellowship with you and to work with you and to encourage you. But, you know, I'm coming to that point in my life where things are winding down. And he says, you know, as much as I enjoy being with you, I'm really looking forward to the far better that lies ahead. And that, he says, is to be with Christ in heaven forever. Because it indeed, it is far, far better. The Gospel accounts of the resurrection when the ladies go to the tomb. The death is very discouraging and very saddening. She was there when he had died on the cross, and it seems like that's the end of the story. But death does not end with a period. It's not like you live, you die, period. It ends with a comma. Yes, we are all going to die someday. We just need to accept and, and acknowledge that's the truth of God's word. But as the day approaches and she goes to the tomb, she hears these words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear. Those words are for every one of us this morning. Whether young or old, don't be afraid of what's to come. And then there is this question. This question that's asked basically at a cemetery at the gravesite of Jesus. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? And then we hear the greatest sermon ever preached in a few words. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. It's the promise of God for all who place their faith and hope in Jesus Christ as their living and loving, forgiving Savior. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said he would. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? You know, when I have my funeral someday, some of you might still be around. I don't know, you know. Uh, but, you know, I know, you know, it's going to be a sad type thing. Go ahead, say it's going to be sad. Okay, it's going to be sad, you know. Okay, yeah, it's going to be sad. You better be saying it's sad. Okay, no. But you know what? At all the funerals I do, I know how sad it is. I know that there's grieving, there's mourning, and Christ promises he'll be with us in our mourning and our sorrow. But he holds out that hope for us. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. We have the hope in Jesus Christ and in the resurrection of our Savior. 
that who went before us and said, I've gone ahead of you to prepare a place for you and I'm awaiting for you so that you can be with me because I've stamped your spirit and your soul with eternity. And that's forever. We are just a mist, a vapor for a little while here on this earth and then we're gone. But eternity is forever. So as God has prepared a place for us, we certainly need to be preparing for eternity to be with him. Like I said, when I'm gone, there'll be that shell of a body there, but I will spiritually be gone. And I'll be celebrating in heaven with Jesus. Oh, you'll go out and you'll eat fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and all of that good stuff, and you'll forget about me after two or three days anyway, so don't worry about it, you know. But I'll have that hope, like I have had for every one of my good friends, for every one of my family members, whether it's mom, dad, my niece, or anybody who has died before me, I have that hope, that anchor for my soul, that I know there's something more. God has placed eternity within my heart, and I know that either he is the greatest liar of all time, or he's telling the truth. I've chosen to believe him. There's no mistaking. The empty tomb can fill your life with hope, can fill your life with assurance, can fill your life with meaningful purpose. The assurance that our faith is not in vain, that God's word is trustworthy and true, the hope of eternal life in heaven with Christ and seeing our loved ones again. Because if Christ has not been raised, you can bet your bippy there's no hope for us, okay? And Paul talks about that. And you can go through 1 Corinthians 15. He says, you know, if Christ hasn't been raised, our faith is futile. We're foolish looking. We're liars, you know. We don't have a hope. We'll never see our loved ones again, you know. We are the most pitiful of people, he said. But I don't believe that. I believe Christians are the most hopeful and victorious of people. That's what I believe in my life. And that's the hope and the belief that I'm hanging on to. So who do you say that I am? That little skit that they did, you know, as they went out, who do you say that I am? Who is this Christ? Because that question can only be answered by you. But if Christ is indeed who he claimed to be, then it makes it a whole lot easier to answer all those other questions that come along in our life. You know, I don't believe that most of you became a Christian because someone convinced you of a historical fact or tried to twist your arm or get you to believe that. No. Peter saw the empty tomb and initially he didn't believe. Thomas heard the story from his closest friends and he wouldn't believe. You can't logically badger someone into believing this story. You have to meet the Lord for yourself. You have to experience the resurrection in the presence of the living God for yourself by coming and examining the empty tomb and then answering the question, who do you say that I am? The miracle of Easter is not that the resurrection once happened. The real miracle of Easter is that it keeps happening over and over again. As people get saved, as they come to Christ, as they get healed, as they have new hope in their life, as kindness exists and grace is extended. You see, Jesus is not contained to the past 
or to the pages of what we call the Bible. He's not contained to this Sunday morning church service or buildings that we build to have these services in. He wasn't even confined by the grave. No, Jesus is everywhere. And he is alive and well. Jesus Christ, indeed, is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. May God bless you this morning as you experience the hope, the power, the faith, the comfort, the peace, the joy, and all that God can bring into your life through the resurrected Jesus. May you be blessed today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, for some of us, it's just been a story we've heard throughout our lifetime, but maybe never experienced for ourselves truly in our life. Never have answered that question in our life, in our heart of hearts. Who is this Jesus? Is he who he claims to be? Is he the risen Lord? Is he the Son of God? Is he awaiting us in heaven with the promise that we can be with him? eternally, forever, after this short life is over? Lord, I know your spirit can speak to any heart and life here. And you can convince them, Father, not me. You're the one that convinces them. You're the one that convicts them. You're the one by your spirit speaks that still small voice into their heart of hearts. It says, I have planted eternity within you. Come to me and let us reason together, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.